Well, hello, I'll be reading uh, the Bible. Our first reading is from Isaiah chapter 11, and it's on page 6 of your zine. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand in the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nation will rally, nations will rally to him and his resting place will be glorious. And our second reading is from Luke chapter 1. His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Two thousand seven hundred years ago, the prophet Isaiah said, Isaiah eleven verse one, he wrote, he said, A shoot will come from the stump of Jesse, a shoot from a stump, <clears throat> and from his roots a branch will bear fruit, and the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. We know that prophecy as fulfilled in Jesus Christ, our Messiah. And I want to explore that with you tonight. Let's pray. Father, be with us now. Teach us something new and something good about Jesus. Transform our hearts. We receive now the peace that comes through Christ, his life, his death and resurrection, and we wait for the peace to come. And we pray this in Christ's name and for his glory. Amen. So as you know, the Advent series is The Weary World Rejoices, and that's because 
We're in a weary world, and I'm looking to rejoice. I really am. Uh, the phrase comes from the old French carol. We'll sing it, Lord willing, on uh, Christmas Eve, a holy night of the dear Saviour's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new, new and glorious morn. We know that dawn as, uh, as the life of Jesus Christ. We're looking through the series uh, at key passages in Isaiah. We're calling them purple passages or royal passages, glorious passages. And tonight's glorious passage is Isaiah 11 verses 1 through 10. Very famous text. Ours is not the first world to be weary, of course. Ask your grandparents, their parents. Isaiah's world was weary too, so was the world that Jesus was born into. Isaiah's world is the 8th century BC to Israel, and it's a world suffering under the judgment of God. And in particular, they suffered at the hands of their enemies, uh, Assyria, which God, God brought to them uh, for their sin, for trusting in Assyria and not the Lord. And yet, here in Isaiah 11, and throughout the whole of Isaiah, indeed throughout the whole Bible, there's promise after promise after promise after promise after promise that our God will come. And this is, this is being one of the famous ones, Isaiah 11. You can see there in verse 1, the prophecy talks about a shoot that will come from the stump of Jesse. Jesse is David's father. This is the household of David, the kings of Israel. A shoot will come from the stump because a tree has been cut down. We'll come to that in a moment. A shoot will come from the stump of Jesse, and from his roots a branch will bear fruit. That shoot is a he. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide with what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he'll give decisions for the poor of the earth. A profound prophecy. What does it mean in context? Now, I want you to go home and remember this sermon. So I've got four images for you to remember and take home, and each image is connected to an idea. I want you to think of a dove, a shoot, an elephant, and a rally point. You'll notice there's no elephant in the text, so we'll come to that in a moment. A dove from verses 6 through 9, then I'll come back to a shoot, verses 1 through 5, and then if there are a window here, I'd like you to look out of one, and maybe live streamers are near a window, and you could look out, and maybe you see a streetscape or something. I want you to look out there in a moment, not now. And then fourth and finally, I want to talk about a rallying point from verse 10. Hopefully you remember them. I'll ask you afterwards. Firstly, a dove. A dove, of course, is a symbol of peace across many cultures and religions. The ancient... Jewish people had their version of peace promised. They yearned for a world of peace. They knew the world was broken. And they believed the world was broken because the human heart was sinful. The world is as the heart is. The world is as my heart is. Without God, stubborn towards him, left, left to its own devices. And so they yearn for peace through the forgiveness of sins, peace promised, peace received, peace shared. They believed that that peace was bigger than just the human heart. They yearned for peace or shalom for the entire planet. 
their vision for peace was comprehensive and eternal. But it was not peace as denial of a problem, which is like everything's fine. Uh, that's peace as conflict avoidance. I'm not going to speak out. That's lying to self. And it's not peace as a denial of other people's problems as well. I live in a nice home. I've got a job. You know, I feel good about life. I don't need God. That's very Australian and it's very selfish. It's like, please, get your head out of the sand. So this is not peace as selfishness, which I believe is part of the problem. And it's not peace with respect to contradiction of the problems either. You know, I always look on the bright side of life, keep your chin up, glasses half full, always, you know, stop being so negative. No, Jewish people believed that peace would come with dealing with the problem. The prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 2, we looked at this the first week in our series, of the world, they will beat their swords into plowshares. Remember this? They'll beat their spears into pruning hooks. There'll be such peace in the world that they'll turn bombs into flower pots, guns into fishing rods. That's in your Bible. And then the most astounding of all, I mean, do, do, do any of you really believe this? Nations will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war, any war. There will be, in the future, there'll be no more need for armies. That's the prophet Isaiah, 2,700 years ago. Those words, by the way, are carved on stone on First Avenue in Manhattan outside the United Nations. But peace does not come through the United Nations. The promise in the Bible is that Peace will come through God turning up. Peace doesn't come through regulation or legislation, as important as those things are. Peace does not come through assembly or politics, as important as those things are. Peace doesn't, doesn't even come through a vaccine. And I'm praying for one. Peace comes because God turns up and deals with the basic human problem. Look at verses 6 through 9 with me on page six of your zine. The wolf, here's a picture, the wolf will live with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the goat. I'll tell you why that's astounding, because they normally don't live together. They normally don't lie down together. In fact, they normally kill each other. They normally tear each other apart, like nations do. Verse seven, the cow uh, will feed with the bear. The young, their young will lie down together, the cow's young and the bear's young, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. Such famous words. These pictures are not answering the question, what will a zoo look like in heaven? Uh, they're pictures of a future world of peace. Perhaps the question is, has God got in his mind a comprehensive peace for the whole planet that he's created and loves? What of human being? Verse 8, the infant will play near the cobra's den, something I don't recommend for my own young. And the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest, 
the implication being she won't get bitten. It's a picture of safety. They will neither harm nor destroy, verse 9, on all my holy mountain, neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So beautiful, so profound, so safe, so comprehensive. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Looks like the perfect vision, doesn't it? Jesus called this the kingdom of God. He said, it's at hand. John Dixon, who, Lord willing, will be speaking at all services on Christmas Eve. He says this, anyone who has ever wished for the world to become a better place has, in some sense, wished for the kingdom of God. They just look in the wrong places. Sam Ganji says to Gandalf in Lord of the Rings, I love this, is everything sad going to come untrue? Isn't that question perfect for verses 6 through 9? All this tearing apart, all this fear, all this harm and destruction, all going to come untrue, not happen anymore. So that's firstly a dove, peace. How does this peace come? Well, secondly, a suit is mentioned in verse 1. The Jewish scriptures say that this peace will come in the form of a human being. Uh, a king, a servant, a child born, a son given. We learned that last week. In Isaiah 11, this human is depicted as a shoot coming from the stump of Jesse, David's father, and from his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Another picture, another image being evoked for us. And you only need to think of a shoot coming from a stump. The colours themselves tell you a lot about the hope that's being offered here. A stump in the ground is a tree being felled or cut down. And usually, you know, after a little while, it goes hard and grey or brown. And if you look at a stump in the ground, I've got a stump in the ground just near my home, and you look at it and you wonder, is it dead? Can it live? The stump of Jesse, the house and line of David, had been cut off because of the judgment of God. God had cut Israel down in judgment. God had cut Israel down because of her deals with Assyria rather than trusting in God. And you could look at Israel and say, is she done for? Is the brown and the grey of a stump the right colours for the nation of Israel. But here in Isaiah 11 verse 1, you've got this beautiful, tender, green shoot coming from the stump of Jesse, which tells you that there's life in her. The little green shoot is evidence of life amid death, evidence of hope in the middle of despair. We're talking about a person here. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, verse 2. At the baptism of Jesus, the Spirit descended on Jesus as a dove. And we can also recognise in verse 2 the life of Jesus, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding rested on him, the Spirit of counsel and of might. 
the spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord, he obeyed his father in all things and his delight uh, is in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge, we're told, by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. This person here is not named. A suit here, a son in chapter 9, a servant in chapter 53, not named here. So we yearn to find out who this person is. But we who know and read the New Testament recognize this in the person of Jesus Christ, this person who grows up to live the life we should have lived, to be the kind of Lord and Saviour that we all need. Not judging by what he sees with his eyes, not judging or deciding by what he hears with his ears. Every other judge you've ever known can only decide by what they see with their eyes. It's called evidence. Or hear with their ears. It's called a witness. What other way is there for people who can't look into hearts and determine motive or see if someone's lying? What if that judge could look into hearts and see inside hearts? What if that judge were God himself, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden? It's exactly why we prayed that prayer before we confessed our sins. What of Isaiah 9, that to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. That's what this is talking about too. But this child born will be wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Those who met Jesus in his day struggled to understand how the Messiah could be God showing up. But that's why they opposed him. It's why they picked up stones to stone him. It's why in the end, they strung him on a cross. They didn't recognise the time of God's visitation. They were looking for a full-on tree. What they got was a stump, uh, uh, sorry, a, a shoot from a stump, a little one. But this is God showing up in our world. Here's how Queen Lucy puts it in the Chronicles of Narnia. Yes, said Queen Lucy, in our world too, A stable once had something inside it that was bigger than our whole world. Or John Donne of Mary, immensity cloistered in thy dear womb. Immensity, God himself. Jesus is the author and prince of peace. And this prophecy speaks forward to the life of Jesus and of the increase of his government and peace. There will be no end, Isaiah 9. We read the Gospels and we see it through even the words of Zechariah, the birth of John the Baptist. John the Baptist is to prepare the way for God on page 7 of your zines, um, to give salvation from our enemies, verse 71, verse 77, to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the path of peace. That's the dove. No wonder when the baby's born, the shoot from the stump, the heavenly hosting, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. This, by the way, is what keeps me Christian. 
that in the hand of God in my life. The carol tells the hope, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. We'll sing it on Christmas Eve, Lord willing. Or even more daring, O come, desire of nations, come and bind in one the hearts of all mankind, bid thou our sad division cease. Who doesn't want that for the world? Bid thou our sad division cease and be thyself our king of peace. Not through the United Nations. Not, I mean, as important as that work might be. We who want this truth need to check out the birth of Jesus Christ. What is the story of a child born in a manger but a shoot from a stump of Jesse? We need to look into the, the son of David. Uh, Jesus was born to Joseph, who is in the house and line of David. We need to check out the way he lived his life, his love for the needy and the poor of the earth. We need to consider the way he looks into hearts and sees motive, the way he cared for the needy and saved the lives of his people by his own bloody death on the cross. A dove, a shoot, which brings me my, my third image, which is an elephant. There's an elephant in the room when you read a text like this, and the elephant in the room is, there is no peace. Where is it? You might ask. We're in a weary world. We're being told to rejoice, but some of us might think there is no reason to do so. It's like someone mentioned the elephant in the room. I love that metaphor, by the way, the elephant in the room. It's such a great metaphor. It's one of the greatest ones. You know, we're all facing the front, and we're all like singing, singing carols, and but, you know, just over here in the corner is this whopping great big grey elephant. No, everyone's trying not to notice. And here we are, hoping the gospel's true, uh, looking forward and telling ourselves it is, but um, deep down you go, well, where is this peace that he promised? Where is this hope that you Christians speak of? When I was at university, a young chaplain called Robert Forsyth gave me this riddle and it stayed with me ever since. I'll give you the riddle and give you some time to think about what it means. The riddle is this. You go to a rabbi who doesn't believe in Jesus. You go to a rabbi and you say to him, the Messiah has come. You point to a text like this or Isaiah 53, even clearer. You go to a rabbi and you say, the Messiah has come. He reaches across, looks out of his window and says... No, he hasn't. Had to think about that for a little while, that riddle. Everyone got it? You understand it? Pick the riddle. Why does a rabbi, rabbi say that? Well, he knows his scriptures. He knows Isaiah 11. With the Messiah comes world peace, and it ain't here. He looks out the window. He's not here. I can name the elephant in the room, and you feel it every day. A pandemic across the world that no one seems to be able to stop. Politics is so fractious. Facebook itself is the home of fractiousness, no peace. US politics, so painful to watch. People living under oppression, I'm thinking, um, what do people do if you're in Belarus or, or in Hong Kong and you're saying, no, this isn't right? Jerusalem, 
The word itself means city of peace, but it needs guns to protect it. And even Bethlehem, even today as we lead up to Christmas, is all kept peaceful by a whole bunch of dancing and politics and words. No one speak, everyone just maintain eye contact and nothing will happen. But even in our own world, uh, the prevalence of domestic violence, abuse at the hands of those who should care, mistreatment of workers. Don't do that, Jesus says. Perhaps you've been uh, mistreated at work. You feel the elephant in the room. You say, well, where's, where is the peace? You know, Theft, betrayal, adultery, proliferation of pornography, sickness, even our hearts and minds are cluttered. You say, where is my peace? I don't even have peace in my mind, you say. And even the existence of death itself, which reaches 100% of all of us. That's the world we live in. There's the elephant in the room. This is the real world. We're all here and Lord willing, we'll be here tomorrow. You could ask, where is this peace? And you could conclude, as no doubt most of our family and friends do, and this really is possibly it when it comes to defeater beliefs, if you know that language. If there is no peace, there is no prince of peace. And so love, joy and peace, they become good ideas, nice sentiments, but in the end, mere buzzwords that companies use in their marketing to get you to buy their products. Maybe it's not true, you might say. Now, obviously, I don't think that, and I would tender my resignation to the Archbishop if I did tomorrow. And so I want to offer you finally a door, uh, given the elephant in the room. And the door is a rallying point in 11 verse 10. The idea of a shoot coming from a stump has embedded into it, embedded into the image. Slowness. How else do trees grow? Jesus said as much in Matthew 13 verse 31. He told them this parable, which is a story intended to hide things from people who don't have ears to hear. You don't want to hear? Block this out. Call it meaningless. But Jesus said this, the kingdom of heaven, the one promised in Isaiah 11 and elsewhere, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it's the smallest of the seeds when planted, yet when it grows, which takes time, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. It starts small but grows. The peace that Jesus offers starts small and grows. That's why Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand to do something, repent and believe, and then you have to watch the Gospels play out over time. It starts small in a manger. Right? That's the whole point. It's truth coming from the stump of Jesse. Joseph is of the house and line of David. We sung it in a moment ago, and Andy chooses his songs and hymns and carols carefully. Um, not in that poor lowly stable with the oxen standing by. Not there, but we shall see him eventually set at God's right hand on high. That takes time. The peace that Jesus offers starts in a manger, moves through his life, death and resurrection, and is passed to you who believe. Christianity, therefore, has never claimed 
that the peace offered in Jesus is comprehensive with immediate effect. That's the key. In fact, the early disciples thought that the hope offered was with immediate effect. Read Acts chapter 1. But Jesus said, mustard seed starts small but grows. You could put it this way, the life of Jesus is a candle in the darkness of the world. It dispels the darkness but is, in the first instance, a candle. But that light will come to all, uh, comprehensive in the end, at his return to judge and save. And so in the meantime, chapter 11, verse 10, you rally to Jesus. Let me read it to you. This is how this, the prophet speaks. He says in verse 10, In that day, the root of Jesse, a tree that's meant to be big, that's been cut off, then you've got this little branch, this little thing off to the side, this green evidence of life. But in that day, the root of Jesse, we know him to be Jesus, will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations, not just Israel, but the nations will rally to him. They'll follow him. And his resting place will be glorious. Is there any one of the Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So peace then flows out from him slowly and over time, cascading then into three areas. First, peace comes to the heart. This is about you and me. This is about you and God. This is personal. By putting your faith and hope in in Jesus, by repenting, yielding, surrendering, we can find peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ and and abiding in him. This is what the deeper discipleship looks like. We were at war with the creator, but the creator entered the battlefield. Christ died for you, for me, and he gave me life. That's the first piece. It gives me the promise of confidence. The kind of confidence I didn't think I could muster up on my own. Certainty that allows me to be stronger than I was yesterday. Forgiveness that makes me want to love God more. A peace that surpasses all understanding. This is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You can choose that today. If I can put it this way, this wolf will live with the lamb. If I can borrow from Isaiah. It doesn't mean you've got everything sorted. We're complex beings. Our minds are very complex. But the closer you get to the Prince of Peace, the more he'll shape your heart and mind. First. Secondly, that peace flows into communities. This is why we've got deeper discipleship in our vision, compelling communities. We want to be peacemakers, little light. This communities of Christ, churches are lights all over the world, pockets of peace, embassies of the King. In the New Testament, the miracle is that Jew and Gentile worship God together. They normally hate each other. They're normally bears and calves. Um, but they become followers of Jesus, have the same access to the Father, and begin to love each other. He is our peace, Ephesians 2. And if you read the New Testament, that peace is the groundwork for the peace flowing into churches and into family life and into schools and neighbourhoods. It needs to flow from within into communities and out into the world. His kingdom is like a mustard seed. It doesn't mean the churches are all perfect. They are not. It doesn't mean the marriages are all sorted. Far from it. 
We are complex beings in community, but as we yield our agendas to the will of God, uh, as we get closer to the Prince of Peace, the more he begins to shape our common life. Tim Keller says this, he says, we all want community until it gets in the way of our agenda, which is a way of saying individualism can't work in a communal life, but we want him to fill us with his grace. His kingdom is like a mustard seed. And then eventually that peace flows out as Christians seek justice and mercy and uh, as grace uh, flows out into the community eventually of course we the christian hope is that god would come again in glorious majesty this time not to deal with sin that the first time but rather to bring the kingdom to those who are waiting it'll come decisively and comprehensively and eternally i believe it no more armies no more mourning or crying or death or pain just the kingdom of god where the earth will be filled with the knowledge of God as the waters cover the sea. That's a beautiful vision for the world. And so we're asked to gather around the rally point. And the rally point is a person. His name is Jesus Christ. Get to know him. He's good. Draw close to him. He'll lead you in the right direction. If you want to get warm, you've got to go near the fire. If you want to get wet, you've got to jump in the water. And I'm here to say, jump in, the water is warm. If you want a peace that surpasses all understanding, get to know the Prince of Peace. Let's pray. Father, we uh, acknowledge here the elephant in the room, that many of us wonder where this peace is, and yet many of us know the peace that has been given through our Lord Jesus Christ, the peace of forgiveness of sins, your grace alive in our life, uh, but we acknowledge that many people do struggle and wonder what you are doing in the world. Where is this hope? He's coming, as he promised of old. We acknowledge that elephant, and yet at the same time, we acknowledge that even in Scripture has it embedded into it a time structure. That means we need to be patient and wait. Um, like Israel of old, we might look at the tree cut down and think maybe it's dead maybe this isn't the place where the hope is found and yet we here right now acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the green shoot the evidence of life amidst death the hope that we have and so this evening we choose him for Christ's sake amen